Hello, everyone. Welcome to Pod Central. And on today's roundtable, we're talking about our ideal guests. On today's episode, we have special guest Blair. We have a couple on the show that, you know, works in education and stuff. I'll let them introduce themselves. But before we get started in any of that, want to make sure you subscribe to the channel. We're trying to grow here on YouTube. We're putting out three episodes a week. I know it's a lot. I know you love the content. So support the channel by simply subscribing. It's completely free. Blair, welcome to the show. Please let us know a little bit more about your podcast and how you got into the industry. Chris, thank you so much for having me. This is awesome. I accidentally got into podcasting. So my name is Blair Kaplan Venables. I am the founder of something called the Global Resilience Project. And my podcast is called Radical Resilience. However, when we rewind to the beginning of the pandemic, when we were all safe at home, me in Canada and a friend in Australia, were getting together to talk about marketing and business, which is my background. And we were recording the conversations. And one day he said to me, Blair, do you mind if I take the audio and put it up on a podcast? And we did. And we had 13 episodes. It was super fun. We grew a following. We didn't continue on after the 13 episodes, but I knew I found one of my callings. I literally came into the world blaring and I have the gift of the gab. So it just warped out. And I wanted to be a radio DJ when I was younger, but my mom steered me away from that. So yeah, Radical Resilience, it's a safe space for people to share stories of resilience in a podcast format. And through the Global Resilience Project, we also do that through published books, social media, speaking, workshops, and in-person events. I like it. I like it. So you built an entire brand. Christina Herb, I would love to hear more about your show and how you guys are doing this podcast together. Awesome. Thank you for having us. We are bringing education home. There we go. And we are we always co-host it together because our tagline is inside and outside of the box. With my education background, I usually think linear and inside the rules and parameters. And Herb has been an entrepreneur and a creator for many years. And so he gets questions that are kind of like outside of the box. So it's really awesome whenever our guests get to get that feel of inside and outside the box. But bringing education home is for those entrepreneurs who want to learn more. Uh, we have topics about education and resources for parents. And then we talk about relationships as well to yeah, help we our are, family. We're also the co-founders of Vibrant, Vibrant Family Education, which is our school system that we created. Her being a 27-year teacher, in the last two years, she actually taught in an online environment, which actually coincided with the pandemic, but it wasn't like the pandemic school going online. It was actually an online curriculum for kids who were medically sensitive and couldn't go to school or were athletes and needed school outside of the regular school because they were so busy. And during that two years, the education at home model was actually born because what could be taught to the kids and their interaction with parents really brought home the problems in the current education system. And our values were are a lot more conservative than what's pretty much allowed in public education right now. And her teaching was going against her principles. And so there was conflict. And so by bringing education home, we're able to reach those parents and those entrepreneurs who are who, whose kids aren't being properly served and whose families aren't being properly served. So we mm. started the podcast to help inform people about our education model and our school system as well. I've never heard somebody say to me that they created a school system. Like that sounds, when you say that, it sounds insane, but I love it. I love that. I think that that's what the world is. And that's what podcasting is for me too, is it's a way you can create whatever you want. You can have a conversation about whatever it is that you want to. And I love that I have such different types of podcasters on here in education, one in business, because 
I think that when it comes to the ideal guest and all of that stuff, that these are the kind of shows that have guests the most. Like, we're the shows that have guests the most out of any of the other shows. If people talk about music or movies, they can just talk about that stuff endlessly. There are a ton of movies you could talk about forever and never need a guest. So one of the first things I want to ask you guys, what's your criteria for a guest to be on your show? What's the list of requirements they must meet to be a guest on your show? I'll go first. <laughs> To be a guest on Radical Resilience, you need to be a human having a human experience who has gone through a challenge, which we're all the walking wounded, full of trauma. But what I've learned was that there's so many people out there who want to be on our podcast and we only release a new episode every week. We're prioritizing people who are in our book. So if you're in the first Global mm. Resilience Project book, or if you're going to come into the second book, which is now open for submissions, you get bumped to the top of the list. But we have enough recordings for the next few years, which is beautiful, but also tells me there's such a need for this. Oh, I got so, a question. I got a hard question. This is why the yeah. roundtables are so good. Yeah. Could I pay to skip the line in your process or do I have to wait months or years? Could I just say, hey, here's 100, 200, 500 bucks. I want my episode out on this specific week at this specific time. Could I do that? I'm going to say yes. <laughs> yes, you can. Chris, what episode do you want to be on? 500 bucks, US dollars. <laughs> Us Canadians love your American dollars. Because I think that ties into having high quality guests. And I'll get to that a little bit later, but I just have yeah. to ask you that because when I built my lineup, that was one thing I started doing is after you have 20 people that want to be on your show in a month, you're like, wait a second, this is going to get to be a long line. So how do I fix that? My solution was to just say, hey, look, you can skip the line and I'll give you some extra promotion, put together a little offer. You could pay $300 to $1,000 and you can jump the line and you'll be surprised at how people respond to that. So what about you, Urban Christina? What's your requirements to be on your show? A part of the requirements is that we have entrepreneurs who tell inspiring stories because it's around education. We want to make sure that we're sharing those stories that will inspire and help other entrepreneurs as they're growing their business or working through their business. On the education side, of course, we're looking for experts, people who know ways of helping parents, helping families. So we've had a doctor who works with anger management. We've had another doctor that has brain, sorry, how to work with the brain and how to help mm -hmm. increase the brain. We've also had educators that talk about speech therapy and reading, how to read and different things. So it has to be, of course, within our parameter. And then, of course, we're just looking for people who are very active in the conversation. So I usually have a little intro induction meeting, making sure that they can talk to us and move through the show because we have a conversation show, not a scripted show. And that's the inside, the outside the box thing. So her <laughs> answers are always very much like in the box. And so my answers is a lot more broad. So for instance, this week we were on something called Podapalooza, where we did 10 really short podcasts all in one day. And they had this blind date thing where sometimes people didn't have stuff to do and they just put two people together. And there was a couple of people that came onto our show and they were like, wow, I don't have anything for you guys. I don't understand why they put us together because you're about kids and education. But then within a little while of talking to this, this out of the brain stuff would bring them around and how they could Question. actually have really valuable information to bring into our conversations. Mm -hmm. So because all of these people have been to school, they've it, gone through the school system. <laughs> so people who are homeschooled 
have a different point of view. People who have gone through the school system and used some of the traumas that they've had there to build something out, all of that can come back in. So it was really amazing how these people would be like, wow, I don't know what to talk to you. But then they would just get so engaged with the conversation and we would wrap it right into a way that that, that would also just make them it, like, wow, you guys really do care about the kids and the education. And it was amazing how you found in what I was talking about that I didn't think was related about how it actually can help the kids and bring that into the light. And I ask that because I think both of your shows, Blair, with your show, with the resiliency, that's such a big deal. That's something everybody can relate to. And even education, that's something everybody can relate to on some level, whether you have kids or not. So I think one of the biggest issues podcasters run into when you have a show that covers a topic that impacts the world, basically, sometimes it can be hard to choose guests. Sometimes it's hard to say no to this person and to say yes to the right people. It can be difficult. I know it's challenging. So I just wanted to know what were your requirements? Like for me on my shows now, I interview people that you have to have a podcast. If you don't have your own show, I just, I don't want to interview those people anymore. I did before for years, but now it's because of what Pod Central is, man, it's just, it's growing and it's blossoming. And I don't want to ruin that by having more people on that don't have a podcast that want to talk about how they can, because there's a lot of people now they see the industry growing and they want to come on the show to sell something to podcasters, but they themselves are not a podcaster. I can't, I don't like those people. I'll say that's one of my hot takes when it comes to guests. I don't like the people that only want to come on my show to sell. Not a fan. I really, that one frustrates me. Blair, I see you shaking your head. What do you want to add to that? <laughs> your podcast is about podcasting. So that makes sense. My, for me, because I've provided a safe space for people to share, what's happening is some, a lot of people are coming on my podcast as the first timers, like first time ever doing an interview. And it's so interesting to me because ahead of time, I'll send them criteria. I'll be like, make sure you have a mic. It's okay if it's just even a headphone. And I think what happens is people get so nervous that instead of having this amazing dialogue, it's that they just just talk. And, but like their stories are phenomenal. So the stories are really interesting, but it goes from being a conversation to a TED talk. And I just wish there was a way for me to do, I don't have the capacity to do training. Yeah for someone who is sharing a story of resilience for the first time on a podcast. So it's just really interesting because my criteria is, I just told you, if you have a human experience, because for me, this was a passion project turned into a global movement, the whole global resilience project. So it's definitely really interesting because I'm not going to tell someone who has this like beautiful story of overcoming a trauma, who's never been on a podcast before that no, you actually can't come on because they're providing me this gift of sharing their story. So it's really interesting in my situation navigating that. Saying no is so hard sometimes. It's very, oh, it's so difficult. And I had a point where when I had my personal branding show a couple of years ago, it was ranked in the top 10 and I got the most amount of spam I've ever experienced. Every day on LinkedIn, it was like 25 people. Either they were asking to be a guest or they were trying to refer somebody. So at a certain point, I got comfortable saying no. Because I had to, I just didn't have the time to do all of those interviews. And then if I have the author that sold a million books versus somebody that's launching their first book, obviously it's more in my advantage to interview the offer that they sold a million books. That just makes the most sense. They have a lot of value to provide. So I end up building that list out and everything. So I understand the difficulty of choosing and like turning people away when they want to tell that story. It's, it can be tough. 
we talked a little bit about the whole money part. Irvin, Christine, I got a question for you. If you could pay, let me rephrase it. I want to phrase this correctly so it makes sense to the audience. First, who is the, let's get three people that you would want on your show. And this could be A-list celebrity, like top of the line. Like for me, I have a podcast about podcasting. So I want Joe Rogan. I want Dave Chappelle. I want Joe Button. Like I have no shame in saying that's who I want on my show. Like even like Howard Stern, amazing, amazing. It would be great. Yeah, he's not technically a podcaster, but that would be an amazing interview. Who are your like top three guests? Like that's the first question. The top for me would be Jordan Peterson. So mm. a as an educator himself, the stuff that he talks about in school about, and even how he's talking about the breaking down of the traditional schools, especially at the university level. Mm. He recently wrote a paper called the conservative wow the conservatives Man manifesto and after reading through that 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 was like we want to bring that into the core of our education system because it's about personal responsibility it's about personal liability it's about taking control of your own future and your own destiny and moving forward in that way and he's totally at the top of the list. I would like to do Andrew Huberman. I have brain trauma. I hurt my head really bad. My life fell apart. So the, the resilient story. I'm still a mess. I'm still building my way out of it. There's still a lot of things that don't work for me, but I still talk really well. And I have a very inspiring view. So I would like to talk to him, bring him in, because a lot of these shows, they talk about, about how to overcome this. But then when there's so many things, they don't actually get into the fixing of it. And the third person would probably be Dan Engelman. So he's a, he's a brain doctor. He's one of the co-founders of, of Being True to You, which is a psychedelic and integration alcoholism recovery program that I actually got to go through. So I'm a trained, I'm a trained coach for Being coach, True yep. to You for integration. And his book is really great but i and on how to recover from brain trauma and his story is outstanding he heard the same message that i did from his doctor and he took it and he went forward in life which was wow you're remarkably well put together for as much brain damage as you have and he took wow. that and is like wow i'm doing really great and launched and i went and i heard that from my doctor my doctor when he said wow you're remarkably well put together for as much brain damage as you have that actually crushed me and put my life in danger for a few years while I tried to start rebuilding myself. So I would love to be able to interview him and talk personally about his journey as well. That's such and then, an amazing of course, I get list. to wrap all of those into the education. What can we do to help parents and kids be better with all of these ideas? Because recovering from brain damage is like a big thing, but you can take that and apply it to children as well. Even though they're not brain damaged, they're developing their brains. And so some of the best brain science can really be brought into the school system to actually start helping the kids learn better. And as we work with entrepreneurs, entrepreneurs are always doing personal development. They're always doing business development. And a lot of times they're leaving their kids out of it and their families fall apart as they're building their business. So we want to bring in family development and make bring that third level into yeah i think i've heard jordan peterson talk about that stuff and andrew Huberman too so it's that's like perfect alignment which for show i love that i love it. and i think 
that's one of the questions I asked to see where a host is in terms of alignment with their brand and their show and their business. Does it all work together seamlessly? Like it should be tied on a string where it all just works together. Cogs in a machine is just flowing together because I've asked some people that question before and they told me guests that they just are like randomly just thinking of who's the most popular person. And it's funny because even if you brought on the biggest celebrity that you personally know, or you could get closest to, if they don't align with your show, you just won't get any results from that. So I'm very interested to hear what your answer is, Blair. I want to hear this. Okay. So I'm just going to, so my community, the movement, the global resilience project started because of the journey I've had with my father. I'm a child of divorce and he lived with addiction and I'm talking, blew up the family, sold his diamond dealing business smoking crack injecting like very sick and i'm from a like private school jewish community so it's not your typical upbringing for where i was raised and we had a very tumultuous relationship and in my 20s i decided to just accept him for who he was i forgave him and we developed a beautiful relationship but unfortunately at the end of 2018 we learned he was terminally ill and just i'm gonna content warning my story is very heavy i'm just gonna give you a high level and then it's gonna explain the guests this community went from me honoring the legacy of my, like the book itself is to honor the legacy of me and my dad and his journey and my journey. And that's what it started as. But from starting the project in 2019 until now, I've also lost my grandfather, got a concussion on the way home from his funeral in a car accident. My husband almost died a couple months later from a heart attack and quadruple bypass surgery. We struggled with fertility. I was told I couldn't get pregnant. A year after the heart attack, we got pregnant, but miscarried. We got pregnant naturally. Three weeks later, my father-in-law suddenly died. Three months later, my mother suddenly died, both from cancer. And then my dad died the same year as my mom. So what I really had to be resilient. And the consistent thing is I've been doing a lot of research and learning about all the things grief, trauma, addiction. And so I just wanted to give you that background because this isn't something where I woke up one day, I was like, I want to help people be resilient. Like I literally had to do this and I'm four and a half years sober because of the journey my dad had. I had to choose sobriety. So I was not wasted potential. So my three guests, I would love to have Brene Brown on. Brene Brown is a big inspiration to me. I often say I'm like the Brene Brown of resilience, but I'm not a doctor. <laughs> and Gabby Bernstein is someone who really inspired me in her work really got me through a lot of the trauma that I was navigating because I was navigating all of this sober and she's gone through sobriety. And I very much believe in manifestation and science. It's like, I like the hybrid approach. And, and then the third person would be Gabor Mate. And he's a doctor who does a lot of work with um, in the addiction space. And I find his work very compelling in the realm of the hungry ghost is a really good book. I've read it and listened to it. Uh, and he's just provided me a lot of insight into the struggles of addiction. And I think he'd be a really phenomenal guest to have on. Wow. That's perfect alignment right there. And I love how you tie it so closely to your personal story. I find that those are the podcasts that are best to listen to when a host is so tied to it. Like they're not just in it for money or for attention. It's like, it's very personal and close to your heart. I love that. I love the whole setup there. So I ask you that question first. I have a follow-up question because I don't know if you guys are even aware of this, but there are some people who are like paying certain, it's a whole platform around this. Some people are paying guests to be on their show, right? From I've seen as low as five bucks to as high as $50,000. Kid you not. Like some podcasts are making money from their interviews. 
I love it. I think a lot more podcasts should get into it in an ethical way. But my question to you, Blair, I want to start with you on this one, is you just name your top three guests. I give you a budget of, let's say, $10,000 just to spend on your show only. How much of that would you be willing to spend to get your three guests? You got a 10K budget. And let's say 25, because Jordan Peterson speaking for you got to be at least 10,000. So how much of that budget would you be willing to spend for this guest to be on your show for an hour? It's really interesting because I think the nature of my show, I feel like those three guests, it would compromise their integrity to charge me because what I'm doing is a social enterprise. I'm not a not-for-profit. I'm not profiting from this. I have a PR company that funds it and I'm working on building a business model around the project. But so I would just take that money and use it for advertising and philanthropic work. If someone wants me to pay them to be on my show, they're not the right guest for what I'm doing. Yeah, like I would say, no, Brene Brown, if Brene Brown's, I'll come on your show, but you have to pay me. That's not the, that's not in the ethos of this show. It'd be different if it was my business podcast, but it's not. When I first heard the answer, I talked about this with a podcast friend of mine. And I first heard the answer. I was like, ah, that doesn't make any sense. Like I would pay whatever it costs. But then you realize that some shows are beyond the business model. It's more so about the mission and the purpose and Mm -hmm. the connection It's so much more that goes into it. So I completely understand. I get it completely. And I actually agree. I do think most of those people would be on the show just because they like your show. They like you. They like your brand. They don't necessarily need a fee to be paid or something like that. If anything, it'll be their team around them. That's Mm -hmm. one thing I have heard of with shows like yours. I know people that have had to pay the fee to get certain people like that on the show, Mm -hmm. but it wasn't because the person themselves is charging. It's because their team was charging. You know what? I'm just going to say like podcasts, I wouldn't pay them. But if I was having an event, like my sister and I do something called grief week. (laughs) It's like spring break for grievers. My mom and dad died a few days apart, but in a year. So like, February 18th and 23rd are their angelversaries. And I was telling some business friends about this and they're like, you should actually do an event called grief week for people grieving children and parents and loved ones and not over our grief week, of course, but something like that. I would pay Brene Brown to come speak. I would pay Gabby Bernstein or Gabor Mate. I'm a paid speaker. If it's an event where they're actually coming, I will pay that fee. I like that. See, and I think that's understandable. I think some podcasters have it in their mind that they can shoot to the top, get the A-list celebrity, the movie star, or the top level athlete on their show and not give them nothing. Like, we got to look at them as people too, because some of them are businesses. The retired NFL or NBA player, they're building a brand themselves, right? They have to create their own content. They want to do all their own things. At some point, you might have to put out, shell out a couple of dollars. And I think it depends on the guest. Again, it has to be aligned with their show. But I think it's worth it sometimes. So I'm really interested to hear your answer, Christina. That's listening to all of what you just said, it all makes sense based on the show and things like that. And at first I was like, I'm totally with Blair because I want people who really are in it for the families and for the kids and helping the education grow. So the money that at first I was like, it's going to be totally to building our podcast and building. So it's a worthy show for those people to want to come and be on kind of thing. So it would be more of setting up a studio and getting a team to help message out more so that we had the reach that would make those people want to come to visit us, want to be on our podcast instead of us say, Hey, check it out. Would you like to come do this? And if they wanted to, then that would be great, but it would, I wouldn't want to necessarily pay them 
because that would feel again disingenuous so it's oh yeah we're just trying to get your name to be on our show to make yes. us bigger no man don't want to do that we want to get to the point where this wow we really what you're doing and hey come be on our show and then the second part of that is i totally understand making sure that the people who are supporting and making it all happen get paid because as entrepreneurs all of us are in that space Sometimes we don't get paid for what we need to do to get where we need to go. So we want to make sure that those people are supported in that way too, if need be. But if we were doing an event to raise money, like a show for a week and bring in a bunch of people, then yes, definitely that would be where we would want to pay them if we were intending to get money from that. We would make them part of that. Yeah, I see. I love that. I love it. I love the approach that your shows have to it because it's more of a moral approach. And I respect that. I think that... It's good because you're consistent with that. I ran into a lot of podcasters who aren't, and I am the person, I'm on the opposite end on this one. I will be okay with paying my ideal guest to be on my show. Like I have, I'm actually working on a budget right now to do that for season six of my show that starts in August. Like I want to go and get the big name podcasters because I know it's only going to fuel my business and everything, but it's a more of a money play for me. So I know it's different, but even then I still only want to interview people that are like, real podcasters, not the people who jumped into it because they want to make a quick buck. And we know there are a lot of those people. I only want to talk to the real passionate podcasters that have been doing it for a while that are more committed to the process and everything. I think that the conversations are just more real and more genuine. But again, I understand that when it comes to paying for play, it's about the show. It's about the show. So I want to go back to something I talked to you a little bit about earlier, Blair about charging your guests because there are some guests who will come to you. I've had so many people come to me offering, right? As, at a certain point in time, it was every week people were offering to pay me to be on my show and skip the line. How do you feel about that? Yes. <laughs> you want to give me money. I'm not going to say no. So that's how I feel. Yes. I didn't even think of it that way. And it could be something that I do build out. So I thank you for that idea, Chris. <laughs> You, oh my God, you know, it's so funny. I made a masterclass on that two years ago and I never put it out. <laughs> put it out? What are you doing? <laughs> I make so many of these things. I just forget about them. But again, that's a business model that I think is one of the income streams that podcasters look past is when you build your show up to a certain level, like you mentioned, Christina, there will be people that are like, I want to be on that show. I want to be a guest on that platform. And because now you have so much leverage, you have so much of a supply of interviews, a supply of content. You can tell people, hey, look, you got your book coming out. You're launching your course. You got an event coming up. Perfect. You can be on the show. We could put out a specific time. And I like to take it a step further where they're full on sponsoring the episode. So you're not just paying to be a guest. I don't want it to be that. You're paying for the extra promotion of the show. I'm going to run ads for your episode. I'm going to share it everywhere. I'm going to pay other influencers to post your show, right? So if you pay me a hundred bucks, 500, even a thousand dollars, I'm spending that money to actually push your podcast out there a lot more and make sure that you get some results. I just think that's a really easy way for, honestly, a lot of podcasters could stop wasting their time with the crappy interviews. Because I'll be honest, some of the interviews I still do sometimes, some people slip through the cracks and it's just like, why am I talking to this person? That happens to me sometimes, I'll be honest. And it's very frustrating because I just know once I once it hits me that you're here to just sell something and you try to skip the path of 
not paying for that promotional time, that's when it's okay. We have to have a conversation about this episode being released. So I want to hear your feedback on that one. Herb. What do you think about that? We're still really new at this and we're still building. So the idea of charging somebody does, doesn't land well with me if right they now. They just want to pay us. If they just want to give us money. But yeah, if they just <laughs> wanted to give us money, I would totally be on board for that. That wouldn't be a problem. Again, because we are new, we are building. We do have, we are starting off with a, basically a shoestring budget right now. Yeah, that, that would be an amazing opportunity and we would do everything that we could to make that the best, the best show for them that we possibly could. Again, promotions and things, just not taking the money, but helping grow both of us, basically. Yeah. So a lot of the people that we actually started with were my fellow coaches at Being True to You and some teachers who were just starting their own businesses in, in education as well. And so it was pretty easy. Yeah. Yeah. And the conversations were really genuine. So one of the ladies works with teenagers and helps teenagers through depression and addiction to get back on track. And that is like an incredibly valuable thing because a lot of parents who are going to be pulling their kids out of school might be doing that because their kids are depressed. And so to have that resource, to have them on our show, if we can get, even if they're not going to be working with us, if they can help her help their kids it's like that that is this is a heart mission for us if it were about like making it. money then we would have yeah. <laughs> i like it and, and that's why i like having these conversations because i one of my big goals with my company pod central is to normalize podcasters making money if we look at bloggers they have no problem you go to their blog and 15,000 ads you can't even see the content because you see so many ads and it's normal you go to somebody's YouTube channel, they have commercials that play before the video, in the middle of the video. They'll do a live read for an ad during the video and then play another commercial after the video. And some of them will be live for three or four, sometimes eight hours and ask for super chats, cash app, PayPal donations. Every other creator online right now has no problem getting paid or asking for money. But podcasters are like, I don't know if I should ask for that or... I, we have to normalize podcasters getting paid. It just has to become normal. And I think guesting is one of those ways that if it's done correctly, again, it has to be done ethically and professionally. Every podcaster should be making money from their interviews. I've charged as little as 50 bucks. The most I've charged for an interview was $5,000. And obviously it's not something I do every week, but the fact that I've done it more than once shows me that, yeah, it's a pretty good income stream. I think that when it comes to guesting, that's a big deal to me is just getting podcasters used to understand that that's a way that you could possibly make money from your show. Like Blair, for example, if you have people that want to come on your show that are in the self-help space, they have a book coming out, a course coming out, they do consulting and they want to come on your show and talk about all of that stuff. That's great. They want to tell their story, but their real motivation is to sell that product, which is no problem with that. But there has to be a fee attached to that because you're the one doing the interview scheduling. You do the editing. You do the marketing content. You do promotions. You do all the work. You're giving them all this free publicity for their book. And the affiliate sales, maybe 10% of each sale. Eh. But the thing is, though, I'm going to challenge you on that because I don't want to pay to be on someone else's episode. Understood. That's understood. I understand. But if someone's, I want to bump to the front of the line. Yeah. Maybe I come up with a bump to the front of the line offer. My book, this 
right now, book number two, it costs $888 to be in it. So you're paying to be in the book. With that, you get a podcast. So kind yeah, of that makes sense. that's a good business model. I think I think that's a great business model. For me, again, this is why I'm so different in this space. And this is why I like having these conversations because I know what I think is way different from everybody else. I'm the guy that's actually trying to pay to be on more podcasts, right? I'm the one that's going to the podcasters like, look, I want to pay you to promote my podcast software or let me be on your show or you come on my show. I want to normalize paying podcasters getting paid. So when I make money, my first thought is how can I help podcasters make money? Like my budget of $5,000 to market my software in May, I'm not running any Facebook ads, no Instagram ads. I'm running ads on podcast newsletters, on shows, in communities, because I want to funnel that money right back into the podcast space. What's happening now is the money is coming in from the companies and they get it and they put it right back into the other big machines. I want to put it into the creators. That's just my personal mission, though. Like, I want to make sure that podcasters get paid. So it's like, I'm going to come on your show and talk for 45 minutes about myself and my story and my company and all of that stuff. So I don't have a problem paying you 20 bucks or 50 bucks, whatever it is. I'm okay with doing that. Obviously, depending on your audience and all of that stuff, but I'm more than willing to pay out to do that because I realize my mission is different. There are just a lot of people in the guesting space. I kid you not, they're paying like 4,000 a month for six interviews. They pay the guesting company to get them scheduled on shows and it's thousands of dollars per interview, but the podcaster doesn't get it done. Like, how does this make sense? The podcast is doing all the work. <laughs> you do all the work and the company that just sent them an email, they sent five emails and made a little PDF. They deserve five grand. I don't know. It's just confusing for me. And <laughs> I just know a lot of podcasters that have missions like yours deserve to get, I kid you not, Kristen, you're going to love hearing this. My daughter is five. She's turning six in October. I have been scouring the internet, trying to figure out how to do homeschooling. I don't even know where to start. <laughs> don't don't do know. homeschooling. Don't do homeschooling. It's not homeschooling. It's bringing, bringing education, education home. home. <laughs> See that right there. That's what I'm saying. Because you are so inspired. As soon as I say that, it like triggers you to tell your story and to help me. You deserve to get paid for that kind of insight. You know what I mean? So that's just my mission is normalizing more of the income streams and the profitability for podcasts in a lot of different ways. So yeah, the homeschool thing is just a bigger, it's a bigger monster for me. <laughs> See, and it doesn't need to be. And that that's really what our show is about because people think that, oh, I'm just going to take me six hours a day. I have to do school at home. And that is so not the case anymore. But that, this is one of the things that we're doing right right after this is we're going to be making videos about breaking some of those myths. It's only two or three hours a day that you really need to spend with your kid in that kind of a model. The rest of the time you actually set them up and they start doing it on their own and in their own space. Or you get to do other activities as a family that's important to you and still you're educating them. So it's a lot easier than most people think it is. And yeah, that confusion that, oh my gosh, homeschooling, how am I going to do that? Is That's where we come in. That's what our show's about. And that's what we help people do. What I'd like to say about the whole pay thing is that I'd love to find that happy medium. If the guests align and they want to pay or they can pay, that would be helpful because usually these heartfelt missions need the support. 
So then let's get it normalized to pay, but make sure they're still aligned. Yeah. And as an in-the-box teacher for 27 years, (laughs) asking for money for this stuff is really difficult. Yeah. And several years ago, I took a really bad hit snowboarding. And a whole lot of my business acumen went away. So there's a lot of stuff that's not quite working right with me still. But we're working so on it. So building that back up is has been a real challenge for me. So I can still talk. I'm still inspirational. But the business stuff just fell away. Yeah, I'm going to take Blair's advice and put out the masterclass I was talking about. Because it just explains that you don't have to charge everybody. You don't have to make it to where they can only be on your show if they're paying a fee. That's not, I hope that's not what my rant sounded like. (laughs) That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying that you should have an offer available so that if you have a guest that wants to be on your show to promote, it says, Hey, look, if you pay this fee, you get this extra promotion, which means extra visibility, extra leads for you. You're doing an interview already. Let's just make extra content to make you look like a superstar. And there are a lot more people than you would expect that would be like, yeah, I'll pay an extra 500 bucks. And I'm telling you, the first time I sold mine, I was shocked because I had to set up on the whole automation process thing. And I woke up in the middle of the night because somebody scheduled it like that was in like Australia or something like that. And I wake up and I'm like, who the hell bought this? (laughs) And it was an amazing experience. And I want more podcasters to know what that's like. So yeah, this is this was such a great conversation. I love having these talks to show that there's not really a right or wrong way to do the podcasting thing. I just think you have to find the way that works for you. And if you find a way that works for you, you can have a successful show. So I want to thank you. I thank you all for being on here. But before we go, obviously, shout yourselves out. Blair, let people know where they can subscribe to the show, where they can find you and everything. I'm on all your podcast players, Radical Resilience. You want to learn more about the project, go to theglobalresilienceproject.com. You can buy the book, be in the book. Everything's there. My PR social media stuff is at blairkaplan.ca. Usually find me everywhere on social, but Instagram is my jam. And I am Blair from Blairland on Instagram. That name fits you so well, Blair from Blairland. (laughs) Came from a high school, uh, a high school house party. (laughs) Uh, that's funny you go ahead Kristen. bringing education home is on all your major podcast platforms and you can also listen to the show at our website www.bringingeducationhome.com vibrant family education also has their own website that will connect us up i'm usually on facebook christina hey Aret. that's where you can find me and all my links are there together and so come find us ask me questions and being that teacher I can have a parent-teacher conference and hopefully give you a little bit of help. Oh, and hey, you know what? We would love to have you on our podcast. We can talk about what you do on our podcast and your daughter and your situation and help you figure that out as well. So it would be lovely to have you. And And, Blair, we'd love to hear. And you could come pay us to do it. (laughs) (laughs) I will not pay you, but I will come on your podcast. (laughs) All right. All right.